0: Nike, FIFA, Adobe, UEFA, Pretty Little Thing, Boohoo, F1, Mercedes, and Wimbledon Tennis are just some of the clients in this guy's portfolio. That someone is Rohil Ahmed, co-founder and managing partner of tech talent consultancy, Forsyth Barnes. His business is transforming the senior recruitment space, engineering new ways of working, new platforms and products that are making it easier for top tech online fintech and sports brands to tap into the best talent available on the market. We talk about his upbringing, motivations, business life, and also he answers many of you, our amazing listeners, questions. I'm absolutely buzzing about having him on the pod, and I've personally learned a lot and taken so many things from this experience with him. Now it's your chance to see. So without further ado, this is episode eight of The Silent Entrepreneur by me, Aaron Curtin. Welcome to the podcast. Raheel, thanks, thanks for, for coming me. to see us. Cheers for having Second me. Second guest on, so new in, which is good. I just want to open up and I think it'd be good for listeners just to get a bit of a background and understanding on you and also your business as well. Um, yeah. before we sort of go into different things. It's quite a bit, a quite a bit planned for today. So I want to just put you on the spot a little bit if you're up for a bit of a challenge. Go for it. So I'll give you a couple I'll give you two minutes. I just want you to have two minutes just to explain in a high level what your business does what FB is all about.
1: Uh, cool. All right. So Forsyth Barnes, uh, talent consultancy, we specialize in the exec search end of the market um, in what we call emerging tech markets, basically. So FinTech, what we coin in turn is retail. So less with your kind of traditional retail. It's more your exciting online, pure play type businesses as well. Your Boohoo's pretty little things, those kind of businesses as well. And then the other piece to the business is the sports sector as well, which as being sports nuts in the business is hugely exciting to us. So we do a lot of C3, a lot of head of, a lot of uh, non-exec um, work there and work in those businesses on a strategic basis. And then the other side of the business is we work with a lot of tech businesses on their sort of tech transformation programs. Okay. Uh, so whether it's implementation, digital transformation, things like that, that they're going through a journey in their business. We actually work with them to uh, implement those projects, to deliver those projects, take it away from them because they don't really have the internal capability. Um, and so we go out into the market and we deliver those projects for them in a nutshell.
0: Okay, that's within two minutes. That's good. Ticking the box. So in terms of um, FB then, in terms of how you're playing in the industry, what is it that you do differently to
1: other players? So uh, traditionally, that exact search market has been quite stuffy, quite an off-the-shelf type service. Um, taking an example in the way that they bill clients, it's always traditionally been... Um, right, a third up front uh, for the time when you're retaining us, a third on probably successful um, uh, submission of shortlist, yeah. and a third on successful placement of an uh, individual um, that the business takes on, right? Yeah. So straight away, we looked at that model and said, we ripped it up in yeah. terms of what we did. Not going to charge us the kind of same traditional model. It was always regarded for bigger businesses or completely just that top-end C-suite hires. Um, and it's always been a better service and we kind of looked at it and said well why is it just reserved for that upper echelons of business or at certain levels within businesses as well why can't it be applied to a head of? why can't it be applied to a director why can't it be applied to a department for instance working on the same sort of model because the service is better so for us I look at our sector and I love our sector it's a brilliant brilliant sector overall I think it affords so many people these amazing opportunities right but at the same time we're still stuck in these practices that were born sort of 25, 30 years ago. That contingent model, it doesn't work for clients, it's a self-serving model for our own industry. Because all they do is they, any kind of recruitment business, they look at it and they go through and they think, it's all about ROI on our time. And that's, that's a big, big problem with contingent model. But that's what clients have now been used to for the last sort of couple of decades or so. So now we're going out into the businesses that we're working with and, try and re, trying to re-educate them and say, well, look, if you do it that way, you're only ever going to be limited by the mindset and the actual the needs of the partner that you're working with. Yeah. The model that we're trying to put into the marketplace now and work with them on is more of a shared ownership model. There's shared risk, but there's shared gain to it as well. And by doing that, we don't have to focus on ROI and our time. So straight away, we can look at these businesses and say, actually, what do you actually need? What do you actually want? Why do you want the things that you want? Where is your business going over the next 12, 24 months? By doing that, we can actually focus on what the client needs rather than what we are looking to get out of it. Because we know that the commercial is going to be looked after. So it's more
0: of a true partnership part of the business rather than than just a service that you're selling into these people. So just just for our listeners that are not experienced in that particular sector, talk to me for
1: a minute about the old model. So the old model is traditionally uh, you get a a business, they're looking for a, a senior individual, They'll go out to market, they'll probably speak to five odd recruiters, brief them all on this role, and it's about getting as many different profiles from as many different sources as they can. Because think The more people that I go out to, the more chance I've got of getting someone who's decent out there. Yeah. But actually, again, what's broken about that is those five are going to look at it and think, right, what's my chance of actually making some money off of this opportunity? Yeah. Well, I've got these other five roles that I'm looking at at the same time. Which one's first on my priority list? Right, I'm going to spend more time on that one, a little less time on this one, a little bit less time on this one, a little less time on this one. Yeah, that's how they look at it. They don't actually look at it and think, actually, what does this business need? Can we do it? Have we got the network for it? Or can we actually facilitate what the company's looking for? Et cetera, et cetera. It's all about the end our own industry, not what the client needs. Yeah. So, so other that's other, I'm always what I've done
0: about recruitment in speaking to different people. I've always felt as a recruit, as a person looking for staff over the last few years, I've always found that it's hard to understand whether that agency really want to work on my role or not. And what I've always felt from an individual person that's looking after me perspective is they're probably just going to go after the stuff that makes them the most money, regardless of the opportunity. Yeah, they do. They're not going to respect my business and my role that I'm looking for. They're just going to look at it and think, okay, well, the rate's 12% there. The rate's 20% there. I'm going after the 20% regardless of what it is, just because that's going to make
1: them more money. It's a balance. It tends to be a balance between um, fee on percentage, like you just mentioned there. Yeah. But also, they will um, weigh that up against likelihood of actually getting the fee from right. yeah. there as well. So 20%, but I'm never placing it in a million years or the process is really difficult, that type of thing. Yeah. Then they'll still probably go down for the 15% opportunity where they think they'll actually bring that in and more likely to bring it in.
0: Yeah.
1: And again, all of that, that I'm talking about there is... What am I getting as the, the recruiter and that yeah, kind it's of? Yeah, nothing thing. about
0: the, the client. No, it
1: isn't. Yeah. And so, are they that bothered about your business? Probably not, unfortunately, mate. Um, but again, that's what we're trying to change up.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's interesting. So I think that gives people an understanding of what you do and traditionally where businesses in your set to play and where you're trying to be different and trying to trying to move things forward. I think what'll it also be good for listeners to understand is just a bit about you. Um, to start as well so I'll give you the same challenge again I'll give you a couple of minutes Um, why don't you take us from Hill from youth up to before you started the business from a personal perspective
1: Um, started working as soon as I got my uh, national insurance number which is where I met you when we were about 15 or so in a call centre environment which was probably one of the best sort of educational places I've ever been environments I've ever been in went through still did my studies and everything did got a law degree Got quite disillusioned in my degree because I think I wasn't really happy doing the theory. But I'm being honest, kind of going before before uni, I was quite, had an entrepreneurial mindset anyway.
0: Yeah.
1: Through uni, I just got lazy and wasn't really kind of living up to any real potential or anything like that. Completed my degree just to complete the degree. Yeah. To not be a flake, basically. That and no, no chance of coming home to my dad without yeah. having completed my degree. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So, a mix of the two. And then was pretty sure that I didn't want to go down that field like post-degree. Um, I just couldn't see myself training for another few years, being in a theoretical-type environment again for the next few years. I wanted to do some sort of practical law. So I wanted to get into the world of work. I'd, I'd kind of always done sales since I was 15 and got that uh, national insurance card. And so I kind of looked for sales types of opportunities. If I'm being honest, like most people didn't, really recognised that there was a career opportunity in the, the recruitment sector, in the talent sector. Did it, took a first job in London, thought I would be there for probably a year or so, move on, do something else. Um, sort of 10 years later, here I am still in the sector, haven't done anything else outside of it. Um, and yeah, this, this genuine, made a genuine career out of it. Must have a love, a love for the sector though. I do, I honestly I do. I think, I don't know anything else that you can do That could afford you the opportunities that have been afforded, that you can progress in the way that I had done, either working through other businesses or now the the opportunity that I offer to other people as well. Um, That you can earn the money in the kind of time frame that you can earn it in as well if you really put your all into it. Um, And the experiences that come alongside that as well. I don't know, like if I think about being a doctor, if I think about being a a solicitor or barrister or whatever, you're training those sectors in pretty crap conditions. Um, for what three years, five years, seven years, whatever it is, on each yeah. of those kind of professions, if you like, come out of that, you're earning average, like no disrespect to anyone out there. Yeah. Um, and in that time, I can think about people in my, in my business now are earning six figures after a couple of years. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that that's a norm. Yeah. I don't, whenever I interview people, I don't go and say, oh, you are going to six figures in 12 months, like yeah. so many people out there. These guys are genuinely you've got the opportunity it. to do yeah. so if they yeah, play hard. The you've got the work. platform to do yeah. it. It's the rest is going to be up to you. You'll be yeah. given everything around to be able to go and achieve it. Yeah. But you can't take it all for a well. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. It's a couple of percent that that really go after it and take the opportunity and do what they want with it.
1: Yeah. So that and then um, family life. Um, got married a few years ago. A couple of kids now, um, and it's that constant balance of. Home, work, personal, crap at seeing my friends in and around Northampton, unfortunately. So, yeah. see them kind of once in a blue moon. Um, yeah. How old are you, kids? Uh, three and four months.
0: Three and four months? Yep. Wow. Still so going through the, the sleepless night period with the, <laughs> with, uh, with the latest edition.
1: Yeah, do you know what, actually? You look
0: well for it, though. There's not barely any bags or anything. Not, yeah,
1: I got told <laughs> this on a trip to the US recently. Um... Sleep's always been something I've kind of struggled with anyway. So that actually, in a weird way, set me up really well for the kids. Yeah. Um, my wife, she's absolutely fantastic. She kind of takes them at night, and um, especially the youngest now, um, allowing me to kind of get whatever sleep I can get. Yeah. Um, and actually, our youngest, Zane, in at night, he's actually been pretty golden. It's only yeah. in the last sort week or two where he's been a bit ill, yeah. where he's getting up at night. He Previous, him, yeah. he'd almost sleep through the night since not far from being newborn um so we were quite blessed actually would that
0: Change, changed but it probably will
1: yeah <laughs> well it just started to take night feeds probably now and yeah. so that's disrupted what we've been used to yeah and he's ill so um getting used to that but um yeah it's it, it'll last like there's nothing out of the ordinary that any yeah. other parent kind of is not going through so yeah. again there's, there's parents who have got a lot more problems and troubles than we have with our kids so, yeah. we're so you
0: mentioned about um mentioned about you struggling with sleep yeah. Prior
1: to the kids, so yep. Even. Tell me a bit about that. What's... Uh Don't know any cause, if that's what you're asking. Um, I've never really got a full night's unbroken sleep. I've always woken up sort of four or five times a night through the night. Don't know why. And then I, I think it was just through uni, doing typical uni stuff and whatever else, kind of realised that I don't really. I'll, I'll temper this. Actually, I don't. I can get by on sort of five hours or so. So kind of taking that to work, world, I now think that, well, if I was able to as a student when I was at uni, yeah. it's a mindset, it's a resilience thing that I can do that now. Yeah. Um, How
0: do you use that now to a plus?
1: Do you? So I've been up since 10 to 4 this morning. Okay. Um, and I just kind of, once Zane was up, I just thought, my alarm's going to go off in sort of 20 minutes or whatever it was anyway. Yeah. I might as well just get up now and just kind of crack on and get stuff done that I need to get done to try and catch up. Yeah. a bit behind on stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's just a mindset thing. That but I am also more conscious of all of the data, all of the information, all the studies, all of the advice out there is actually, whilst you might think that you're doing more because you've got more hours to some and I do massively subscribe to that, the yeah. more you work, the more you'll achieve. Yeah. There's still a balance which I'm not achieving very well. Yeah. Which is the my decision might making might not be the best. My energy levels might not be the best. Especially as it kind of catches up through a week. Maybe it'll hit me a lot more in later life in a really detrimental way, you yeah. know, physical or a mental perspective and stuff like that as well. Is
0: that something you can see yourself trying to change mm. your approach on? Or
1: I, I go through these phases, so yes, and I've been trying to do that a lot more recently and trying to clear sort of if I could clear seven hours, I'd be a happy man, yeah, in that because it's a bit of a goal, yeah. Then I go through kind of periods where I think I'm not getting enough done, um, am I just getting soft and that the notion of feeling like I'm getting soft also scares me Mm.
0: so now I'll go back the other way I think
1: now I can I can get by in five hours I I don't need it convincing
0: yourself that's the yeah and I I
1: look at other people in the world and like you kind of hear the same stories right and whether they're toxic stories or not I just think that person's been able to achieve these phenomenal things in their field and that sort of time frame and you hear that they're covering sort of five hours, six hours, whatever yeah. it might be. So I think. yeah, we,
0: we read stuff about Elon Musk, and it's like he sleeps the are in the factory and all this sort of stuff. Yeah,
1: it's, exactly. That's what
0: you see. You, you see successful guy doesn't sleep, works around the clock. Yep. That's what. You, that's the example that social media sets.
1: Yeah. So there's all those kind of things in there as well that are constantly. It's. It's. There's no. I don't have a set thing at the moment. It's. It's a constant um, seeking of balance, basically.
0: Yeah. Okay. Constant struggle to see, to see the balance Sometimes, yeah. So you mentioned about, um, just going into a couple of bits there, so after your law degree and before you started the business, mm-hmm. that gap in time of starting in your industry, yeah. I'm guessing blooding yourself in the industry, what did that look like for you?
1: The very first job I had was tough, Um it lasted was it either six or eight weeks. Basically, um, worked for a company, I think it was an end of year party or a Christmas party, same recruitment, yeah. it's in yeah. recruitment in London. Um, went back to my boss's house with about a few others. Um, they started doing co-work. I said, "Look, I'm not interested. Crack on. I'm not bothered if you're doing it, but it's not for me." Yeah. And then I think it was about three days later. I was told I wasn't jelling enough, well, well enough with the team. Okay, uh, and so you're so not
0: fitting with their could,
1: you could yeah, could cut yeah, spot on um, for doing that. So I was like, cool, thanks, not a problem. So glad that that happened to me actually because I wouldn't have found the next business that I went to. Went to another business um, through like a graduate scheme, another um, rec business or a, a grad scheme, and um, found those, did a few years there. And that was kind of my education, if you like, in the talent sector, which just opened my eyes to actually the opportunities of what you have potential to out there, rather than that first business.
0: So do you think that, that first two to four years or two to three years in those two businesses, did you develop the passion for the industry then? Yeah, is, is that the excitement yeah. yeah. So what was it that excited you about recruitment?
1: It was my, again, I'd say this without kind of come, trying to come across arrogant. It was my vehicle for trying to prove myself to that I am as good as I think I can be in whatever it was. It, at the time when I first started, it wasn't about recruitment. I didn't really care about recruitment. Yeah. It was just wanting to be competitive and wanting to win. Yeah. And that was it. Like if you remember back to the Space Kitchen days, right? For me back then, it wasn't about the kitchen thing or the call yeah. centre or anything like that. You wanted the numbers on the board. I wanted the numbers on the board. Yeah. And then, there, I don't know if you remember, there's a chap called Freed who's there. He wasn't there long because I lobbied. You worked
0: in the mornings, didn't you? A lot. Of, did you do a lot of the
1: mornings I, or? No, I did weekends because I was still at school. That was it. Yeah, yeah. But then I lobbied Teresa. And said, I don't think he's very good. I don't think he's very good. I think I can do a better job. Yeah. It was Sharon who first said no to me a few times. And yeah. I said, look, give me two weekends
0: yeah.
1: of his job. Yeah. I will prove to you that I'll do a better. If I do a better job in those two weeks, give me the job. If oh, I don't, job. don't. And i got his job. And it was just that thing of, right, what's the next step after that? What's the next step after that? What's the yeah. next step after that? That was my quest. I could have ended up in anything else. It might have been tech sales. might have been literally anything else. It wouldn't have mattered because it was about me trying to prove to myself that I'm as good as my arrogance and self-belief thinks I am. So when you
0: started recruitment, how old would you have been then?
1: 21.
0: So at, 20, so at 21, and I think this is important for people to listen to as well, because I had a few people reach out about this specifically in terms of what they want to be doing. And yeah. I'm 25, I'm 30, I'm 18, I don't know what I want to be doing. Everybody else around me knows what they want to do with their life and they want to know what career they want to go into. For yeah. me personally, I didn't really understand what I really wanted to do until I was probably 25. And even then... I've been in telecoms five years. I didn't know if I wanted to be in telecoms. I liked it, and I enjoyed it, and it was it was good. But I think very similar to you, it was the vessel for me to learn. And what I wanted to do at 25 was I understood that I don't care what it is. I, I do want to run my own business because there's aspects to that that I want, positive yeah. and negative ones that I want to experience for myself, and I think I could be really good at it. The industry wasn't relevant to me at the time. Now, obviously, I am passionate about industry and 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 very much want to try and change the industry for the better to put the the the, the power and autonomy back to the client um, because that's where it should be rather than the big the big providers but at 21 you just started in recruitment you know you didn't know what you wanted to do
1: no not at all. you
0: found yourself in recruitment but like you said it could have been anything
1: yeah look, there's a cliche and I said to that everyone just falls into it no one kind of grows up wanting to be in recruitment yep. that's not a you don't even realize it's a proper career path, and yeah. on as well. There's so much change in the industry as well because so many young people get into it that a lot. Most people kind of are in it for maybe twelve months or so, and yeah, you know, that's 11, the dream, aren't it, which else. is you yeah, build your exactly. own desk,
0: etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah,
1: spot on. Um, so no, at twenty-one, I definitely didn't know that I wanted to be in it. When I first joined at TJC, I didn't think I'd be in it for anything more than sort of twelve months. Yeah, I thought it was just going to be a stepping stone onto another place, onto another place, onto another place. Onto Did another you place. know I, at that point you wanted to
0: run your own business?
1: Not specifically, no. I've always, from the influence of my dad, I've always known that I would at some point. And even being a five-year-old, they tell me stories of the kind of stuff that I used to, how I used to play when I was at home if it'd be raining or something like that. And as a game, I'd run my own business as a game, which I don't really have many memories of. So you'd probably be like a mean Monopoly player or something? Uh, Yeah, they said that. It was something like I had an old broken phone, like a landline phone, I used to have an order book and I used to pretend to take orders on the phone of whatever, I think it was stationery that I'd have written out or something like that. And that was how I'd occupy myself if it was raining outside or something like that. I was heavily influenced by my dad on what he did when he kind of came over here. So I always knew at some point, yes, I'd run my thing through, before school uh, sorry, before union. kind of after did bits to make sure I was always okay on money. Um, But yeah, I knew I'd run it, but when I first got into recruitment I didn't go in thinking, right, I'm gonna do this for X amount of time and then I'm gonna go in and run my own business. I went in to because I wanted to start a career. If I'm being really honest, I wanted I'd left Northampton, I'd done my studies down in London, I wasn't coming back to Northampton anytime soon. And it was that pride thing of I'm not coming back to the town with my kind of tail between my legs, like yeah. I, it just would have felt like failure to me. Yeah. So I wanted to do something where I could succeed on my own two feet in London.
0: Where does the drive come from?
1: Dad. Didn't recognise that until mid-20s. So talk, talk
0: to me about your relationship with your parents. What do they
1: do? So they're in Pakistan at the moment. Dad's out there building a house for want of nothing else to do. Like officially retired and stuff. But um, he can't sit still. So he's now out there building a house. It's meant to be their kind of, their last home type thing. Yeah. But I know exactly what he'll do. He will get that thing built. And he's spent a good few years on it now. And he'll sell it because he'll be worried about what's his next thing after that because otherwise, like, he's just going to sit there, basically. Um, so He's physically doing the building. He's not physically doing it, he's no. no. He's, he's, yeah, project managing, if you want to call it yeah. that. Um, but he needs something to do. He needs a task or an, a, a mission to kind of focus on, if you like. So they kind of come between here and there and so on as well. Close to my parents. And growing up, didn't really see too much of dad because um, he was just working, just... No no career. So when I was really young, and just before I was born, actually, uh, he had quite a few properties in around Northampton, Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm assured that actually we were reasonably well off at the time and pretty comfortable as a family. And then the market crashed. I think in eighty nine Black Tuesday, eighty eight eight or eighty nine. I can't remember. Yeah, we pretty much lost everything. Just about kept on to our own. So so you would have been like
0: one two percent.
1: It, so was I, own, yeah, it was as I was. Yeah, yeah. So it was as I was born so either as I was I think it was either eight or eight I can't remember. But we just about kept on to our family home. Growing up, we would have bailiffs knock at the door and I never knew. They shielded us from it completely. So we were just taught that if someone knocks on your door, you always kinda of peek through the window first. Not knowing it's because we we're everyone bailiffs. Yeah. It was I just thought that's just what everyone did, right? But they never let on, on those kind of troubles and stuff like that. So at some point he's done everything from the property thing, drove buses, owned shops. Mostly through my childhood he drove a taxi around Northampton. Yeah. And just drove all hours that he could to make sure that we didn't want for anything, basically. And then more towards teenage years, started getting back towards the property way and sort of started buying up places in and around Northampton, Kingstop areas and places like that again. Yeah. And then retired. And just been spending more time between here, Pakistan, stuff like that. Really, yeah. So you've um, still got a base
0: yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. So you've mentioned your dad a few times. So what? What? What have you learned most from your dad? Do you think
1: that you can he's, take through into what
0: you're doing now?
1: He's mid seventies, and he still works harder than most people on earth And he doesn't have to. He's comfortable. He's got pension. He can be looked after by us if he needs anything. Um, it's just that. Insane desire, and that's what he's grown up with. He's never had any hobbies. He's never travelled. Um, likes the idea of it, but actually, also not that bothered of it in a lot of ways as well. Um, it's just that work. Ethic. And I think of actually the conditions that he's been through and the kind of work that he's done. So speaking to my mum now, and she's or my brother now, and they're kind of saying, "Look, the hours that you're doing, you need to get more rest or whatever it might be." They're saying that about you, yeah. yeah. And it's a, the thing that I always come back to, fact, I, I think I said this to my mum just a few weeks ago, what did dad used to do? What? How many hours did he work? How many times did you say that to them? And actually, if you look at the type like of work that I do, sat down a lot, meetings a lot, office type stuff.
0: It's different stuff. It's mental rather than physical. Yeah,
1: size. he would have been in factories at one point and then driving buses in the day. He would have been doing a lot more kind of physical stuff if he was able to, why am I not able to do it? So there's, like, he hasn't got anything in him. He came through a lot harder conditions, don't get me wrong. And I'm never comparing myself to what he's been through because I'm not they they shield me from all of that.
0: So what are those sort of conditions you mentioned about people knocking at doors and stuff like that? Yep. What what else is he uh, kind? Stuff
1: way before my time that like I only yeah. have knowledge of, to be honest, right? Yeah. So living in a house, sharing it with brothers and things like that, and loads of other people and things like that. You come to this country when you're 14, you've got little to no education, you don't speak the language in the I think he said he'd come here in sixty six. It's going to be a tough life and the environment's very different then from our yeah. acceptance of people from an ethnic background and stuff as well right yeah um it's going to be a tough life here um no education you work in factories you're doing manual type jobs
0: so why did he take the decision he wanted to come and reside
1: i don't really think it was his choice as much as my knowledge is my brother will kill me for not really knowing this i don't think it's much of his choice i think it was more of a he's one of the hardest working people in his family amongst his siblings He was more kind of sent here to earn better than what he could have earned back home. Yeah. We're from a really small kind of mountain village. So opportunities aren't there aren't exactly great. And send money home. And that was it. And so everything that he earned, as much as he could, I think almost about 50% of anything that he earned, he sent home whilst then trying to support family here. Yeah. Whilst trying to build a business here and shops and properties and stuff like that as well. So he's come from that kind of frugal mentality that I'll never... Ever be able to tap into ever
0: yeah so it seems like the, the, the common similarities are the work ethic the drive yeah. the determination the passion the, the wanting to do the next thing the wanting to get better and do better for for yourself for family and stuff like that yeah and so I, it's slightly manifest in different ways
1: yeah and i i didn't stupidly didn't even realize how much of an influence he was probably until mid-20s really yeah and it's now that i look back and think not I didn't see him much, but I don't begrudge him for any of that either. Yeah, It's just that insane work ethic.
0: What does he say about
1: what you're doing now? We. What's his opinion? It's not really something that's talked about much, and not for any particular reason. He asked me questions about the business. Um, I'm pretty confident and know he's proud, but it's not anything that kind of comes up like too, too much because... If I'm honest, like my impression of the business, I am proud of it, don't get me wrong, but it's not anywhere where I think it can and should be yet. So it's not anything that I kind of go shouting up from the rooftops about just yet. Um, When it it gets to somewhere where I genuinely think that it can and should be, then I'll be a lot more open about it, I guess.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned your mum's got a different opinion.
1: Yep. Mum... I know
0: this quite personally as well. Seems like very similar opinions to my mum in terms of, you know, she sees you doing this and doing that, and working hard, working long, stressing out, having successes, having failures, and kind of um, wonders why you do it sometimes.
1: Does that, mum just wants me to be alright more than anything, she doesn't care about anything else, just, are you alright, are your family alright, are you close with your brother and sister, are you, do you see them, that family's the number one thing. Do you know what? I'm, happy you've... I'm happy,
0: I'm going jump in, I'm happy you've said that, because my mum's constantly asking the questions. Are you speaking to him? Are you speaking to her? Yep. Yeah. Have you rung your sister? Have you rung your brother? Have you spoken to him? It's like yeah, we speak regularly. Yeah. Like, we're in a WhatsApp group. We talk all the time. Yeah. Like, you think that we're not talking? We're, we're talking. That's so, that's yeah.
1: That's the number one thing. She asks about the business, but again, not from a. I, I don't even think she'll know any of like facts figures or really care in yeah. Out like for for them being facts and figures, it's like more of a. Are you all right? Is a business all right? Is, is it getting on right are you progressing more about me than anything else
0: yeah so yeah, yeah. which is what well that's going to be a priority yeah so. good okay well that's, that's a good bit of background knowledge i think um i want to just go on to some questions so um i said to you before we sort of went on and went live that um i put a facebook video up a live up last night um and sort of asked the the, the community that are tuning into the pod um, give them a bit of a context of some of the things we're going to be talking about um, without mentioning any names or businesses, et cetera, and just some suggestions for some questions to, to, to pose to you, cool. um, given given the journey that you, you're on at the moment and that you've been on. So I'm going to just shout a couple of those questions out. Sure. Um, so um, a chat called Ben reached out last night and has asked, business question really, is the business different from what you first visioned it to be?
1: Yes, 100%. Because we had, I think there's a lot of the cultural things that still remain in what we wanted the business to be. But at the same time, as anyone who is first going into running a business with no prior experience at that kind of level from an operational side, you, someone who's kind of been a consultant in our industry anyway, and this will apply to all industries, you only have one view of things anything from your angle because you just don't have the perspective of everything else yeah so only when you start to run a business that you recognize as a really kind of small example how much things cost yeah so where we we're talking before on like in our sector job boards and stuff like that, you don't know the cost of those things, yes. and you don't know the usage of those things
0: yeah, you've worked for a business and you look at it you think oh they've got a job board we're we going to need one of those and you're like well maybe that's
1: going to be a few hundred quid you're looking at oh, it's thousands yeah and it's it's not even that it's the efficiency of it and things as well so it's thousands each month or whatever it might be but it's uh, are we using it to its maximum efficiency credits aren't rolling over we've used it to probably 50% of its capacity this month that's like maybe a grand that we've just wasted through not using it to its efficiency Yeah. so then do we knock on the head it's not being used our ex-person wants it so as a consultant I would have said well why are we getting rid of a resource but now as a business owner I could look at it and say well actually we haven't seen any ROI from it so we're not really using it there's there's no point keeping a whole platform that one person's using where the other 35, 40 people aren't using it. So those kind of things, which you just don't know until you know, um, that's where the business has changed, yeah. Yeah, okay.
0: Sonny reached out last night as well, Um, he's talking about employees. So when you were starting up, you've got over 40 people now, you've got offices in the UK and different areas around, around the globe. So when you first set out, how did you start to select your first few employees? What was the
1: process so we were still lucky in that, in terms of both Scott and myself, we'd manage people and teams and um hired people previously, so we hadn't the idea of what we're doing around that. Um, I know the kind of person that I wanted in the business, even that, so has kind of evolved and changed and so on as well. Um, but yeah, we had a good idea of the kind of people that we we're looking for, the kind of personality traits that we we're looking for in people. Um, I think we we're probably a bit more not that we're softer now, but diversified our ideas around people and so on before, whereas I think at the beginning, we probably hired more, or tried to hire more people that we felt were in our image. I, I think that's just an experience, to be honest. Mm. Um, so that profile's changed a little bit, but yeah, we've always had kind of a clear idea of the type of person that we wanted, work ethic, ambition, drive, a, um, willingness to grasp an opportunity, um, we need to kind of learn quickly and absorb things quickly those those kind of key things which I think most people tend to look for if I'm honest
0: yeah I think I think it's easy when you start up especially if you've got limited funds or limited time and you're trying to do everything yourself at that point anyway is you I think you tend to look for and I'm not saying this is the wrong thing to do but I think from my experience you tend to look for experience and think that experience is going to fix my problem
1: when, well she didn't at the beginning. At
0: the Again, beginning. some of the best people we've got in our businesses um, are people that have never done telecoms before in their life, no preconceptions, uh, uh, but they've got the raw traits that we want, that ability to want to develop themselves, the ability to learn, the ability to want to work tremendously hard, they've got their own personal drivers, goals and ambitions that we can utilise and understand as a business to try and help drive them to drive the business forward to go and deliver on the business's goals and ambitions. I would absolutely sit here now and say I'd rather take somebody, even if it takes a bit longer to get them going and a bit longer for them to be delivering the service that we want, I'd rather take somebody with no experience but that has all of those drivers versus somebody with experience that maybe just be looking at Guru as a stepping stone to the next job in two years' time.
1: Yeah, we, so I think one of the things that heavily influenced um, Scott and myself, we, we were top performers in previous business when we first started in our first basic rep role, right? We started a few months apart from each other. We started from the ground up. We had no prior experience so we were basically grads at the time. Yeah, um, We were two of the top performers in that business and then one of the third top performers, he also was a new starter as us. So we always just favoured that homegrown type model. Yeah. We're also massive into our sports and you've always got that kind of romantic story, right? Of homegrown players and 40 yeah. players and stuff like that. Um, so that's why we went down that route as our very first hires. They... They didn't have any experience. Um Which is tough in
0: its own right because you're completely starting from scratch.
1: Yeah, we had some, we had some experience of building them from a previous places and stuff anyway. Yeah. Um so we we just backed ourselves to Did you do know that these again. people? No. Nah. No. Nah. Nah. we went through a, a hiring campaign, um, interviewed I can't remember how many we interviewed at the time, but like in a reception place of a Hilton or a bar at Hilton type thing. Um yeah, got them hired over a few weeks.
0: So you'd absolutely, you know, for anybody listening, because again, part of, the, part of the people that are listening to this are people that could be wanting to start their own business or have started their own business and are looking to kind of make those first few hires. Your takeaway, what would be the top maybe two things of what you've just said there that you would advise those people?
1: So I can say this now as well, with our process having involved, have a clear idea of what you're looking for and make it as objective as, and consistent as possible from interview to interview. So if you are going out there and interviewing people, Like we've more recently employed like a scorecard system to make it as consistent as a process from one person to the next, because otherwise you're trying to judge people or evaluate people too subjectively, Mm. and then it becomes a lot more about how are you on form on that particular day versus if you're knackered or if you're stressed or if you're distracted with other things, then your judgment piece on that is going to be actually pretty poor and it's more it's more a reflection of you than the individual that you interview.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's a bit like a driving test or a bit like a, te- a school test, isn't it? You've got some people that have the knowledge and are very, very good drivers, but just when that pressure cooker hour is on and you've got to go and do the test, it's it's people fail and people buckle But It doesn't make you a bad driver. Yeah, could just be that you, you're not getting on with that environment. I think it's down. I agree with you there. It's down to the the employer to also fifty percent to to make sure that environment is conducive with that person performing and for that person to bring themselves to that shop window and do the best they can.
1: Yeah,
0: isn't it? Um, Just on that, it's not in here, but just something that's come to my head. What's your view on CVs these days?
1: In what regard? That's a wide one.
0: I'll give you some context. I hate CVs um, because most of the time the person who's wrote them, the person's name that's on the top maybe hasn't wrote all the CV. I think they egg up some of the things they've done on the CV or don't talk about some important things that they have done as well and go for and against. And I don't really... Feel that a CV tells a story. If I look back to the last ten people I've interviewed for whatever the position is, I look back to the individual that's walked out the door and the CV I've had at the start, and my perception is completely different. Yep. So, therefore, what's the relevance of a CV? I, as a as a as a hiring business, don't want to see a CV. I'd rather that individual give me a two minute video of why they think they'd be good for the job and what they're about as an individual, as a first kind of understanding of that person. Yep. I don't know how you guys. are. Maybe it's different for. C level individuals and and directors of businesses, and it mainly doesn't work for for lower level roles. But I would like to see a lot more personality, a lot more showcase with that individual for me to understand as an employer whether you're fit, whether you'd fit our culture, whether we want to take you further, or really just to understand and engage with that individual to give them the best chance of succeeding and being hired versus uh, you know, words on a page.
1: Make sure kind of you on that. A C view, it's. It's just like your shop window, like you mentioned before, right? So similarly, if you take that into another world for a second, you can see a jumper or you can see a coat in a shop, Mm. right? You don't just buy it, just looking at it on a hanger or on a mannequin, do you? Mm. You try it on. Does it fit? Does it not fit? Do I like the material? Does it not? Maybe it's fat, does it not? Whatever it might be, right? And it's the same thing with the CV. That's your product on the shop window type thing. It's got to be a kind of gateway to saying, "Do I want to try this person on? I.e., Do I want to meet them? Do I want to get to know their story? Do I want to find out more about them? Does it, from a cultural and ambition perspective, they fit what I'm looking for? What the business is about? Do we fit them, etc.?" So, do you think you can do that on TV? I think yes and no, parts of it. So, if I look at a profile now and I see someone, and we're we're a business ourselves, right? If I see someone jumping around from six months, nine months, here, 12 months, there, six months again, blah, blah, blah. That then leads me to not a judgment on that person, but that then leads me to some questions about, right, I want to know more about the specifics as to why. Yeah. And then through my questioning, I can then make an evaluation of a, right, is this person flaky? Uh, have they got resilience or not? Those mm. kind of things which I look for in people, right? Yeah. So it leads me to questioning about certain things that I am looking for in the person. I think you'll get a lot, also in some ways, you get a lot more from video, 100%, because you can see how someone communicates and something and yeah. so on as well, right? And you won't be able to get that from a CV. But I still think that there are some useful traits from it. Mm-hmm. I, if I'm being really honest as well, I think it's still such a traditional ingrained thing that it might be more of a generational thing and maybe yeah. over the next sort of couple of generations it becomes extinct. But right here, in right now. Yeah, actually. I still think it's... It has its uses, basically.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree. I think the way that I look at hiring with Guru is—is is, I don't do CVs. Um, if I want to know about job history, we can go on LinkedIn or have a look at um, have a look at uh, those sort of things, which can give me a, a sense of, like you said there, and an understanding of questioning based on what they've done, how long they've been somewhere, and that can go for or against. Um, I think the one big thing there to, to touch up on, which I think is a really really good trade for you personally, is you mentioned about people who maybe three, six-month, nine-month, ten-month stints. And actually, rather than saying, okay, you're a job hopper, CV in the bin, job done, not interested, actually looking at that and thinking, okay, thinking more holistically, what's the reason behind that? And it might be that they're a job hopper. It might be that they don't commit, and it might be they're scared of committing or whatever, or they don't know what they want. But given them the ability to table answers to your questions rather than just throwing that CV in the bin. I think he's a, a, a refreshing thing. A lot of people listen to this. We've all been in the position where we've seen a CV, and we, 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 whether we preconceive or not, human beings will. And it's whether you follow through with it in terms of your actions off the back of it. I, I, I remember seeing tons of CVs, and I look at them and think, what's, what's the point in interviewing that person? But then I take a step back over the last five years and think, well, actually, if someone looks at my CV, what would they see? I'm a good guy. I work hard. I like to think I try and do a good job for whoever I've worked with in the past. If someone looked at my CV, would they get a preconception? And would that be fair for them to throw me in the bin? Probably not. So maybe I need to see this person and at least have a conversation with them. But in terms of how we recruit a guru, it's the first stage is, you know, see if I get sent a CV, I don't really look at it. Um, I get the video, I understand a bit about that individual. That that captures confidence. in, in a part, of, part of somebody wanting to work here and me wanting to employ someone is that i want they don't need to be the finished article because they're not going to be we utilize our business to improve but i want them to have at least an understanding that being able to record something that's honest trustworthy transparent even if it's not the best pre- presentation in the world that's it's not about what it looks like it's more about that individual and what i can get off of that video which will then spur me on to get excited about that person i find myself struggling to get excited about a cv i get excited when i but that's just me. i get mean, yeah. when I meet people, see people.
1: Well, and it is, like I said, it's that window into it. You've got to... Um... Well, I do
0: agree. It's historically the way it's always been done. But yeah. then again, in terms of what you're doing with your business, is it what's going to happen in 10 years? You
1: know, who knows? That's, yeah. So that it's something that we're constantly asking. Where is our, our sector headed over the next sort of five, 10 years?
0: Okay. So in terms of, um, got another couple of questions here. So I think you've answered this one pretty much anyway, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So... Um, Chapel Foxy reached out about this one in terms of who's your biggest influence and why?
1: Many. So dad, have obviously talked about as a, an individual one. Um, my brother as well, uh, for different reasons, different traits. Scott, as a business partner, we're constantly challenging each other. And for instance, being in that um, meeting with the accountant the other day, I don't need to be there. That's something for me to say, I want to be as well-rounded as I possibly can be. And I want more exposure to that, to understand more around the, the, the finance side of it, because that's normally his bag and his role. Yep. Um, as well as other people out there in business in general um, that I see who either have achieved more than us so far, but that's also from a competitive perspective. Um, if you're talking, there are some sort of celebs out there who, from a business perspective, influence me. And who do you find? Who do you, who do you listen to when they talk? Uh so less listen to, some of the stuff I listen to is um, like the high performance podcast and things like that. Yep. Um, more into like audible books that, that I tend to read. We're talking kind of business people that uh, I do rate and for different reasons in there as well. Um, Mark Wahlberg from a business perspective, I've got a lot of time for him. Yep. For He's involved in a lot of different things. His work ethic is insane. Forget the movies and that kind of celeb style. You don't, see that the, yeah. you don't see
0: that side naturally.
1: He, he brought out a show recently, um, I think it's only like six episodes or something like called Wall Burgers. Yeah. No, Wall Street, sorry. And that's about all the different businesses that he's involved in. And it just shows his work ethic. The guy's just always on. Like, if he's flying from one place to another, he's on a plane, he's just on. And he's having this meeting at that time. And he's dragging others along with him to the gym at like 4am in a hotel room. But then he's having meetings. as he's doing it. And like, these guys aren't gym goers when you look at them. But that's him getting a gym workout and having a meeting about business at the same time. Yeah. The guy's just always on. Machine. Um, and I respect that so much. There's a couple of real estate brokers in New York and America who, in a similar way, they're just always on. And it's how are they able to achieve something at such a young age? Um, and that's, yeah, I take a lot of influence, people like that.
0: Okay, that's interesting. So in terms of um, you don't get to where you are now, where you're going to be in the future um, without... Like you said, the basics, the hard work, the passion, the energy to, to want to keep improving. But you only got twenty four hours in a day, and there is only seven days in a week. Yep. So, what do you think's been the bit? And this this question's come from Louise and um, Kirsty yeah. as well. Um, what do you think's been your biggest sacrifice along the process so far?
1: Time with my family. Uh, uh, yeah, not just so before I was because when I started off, five, I was single, so I didn't have wife and kids and etc then as well so i was able to fully just concentrate on it and actually i've been doing that for the best part of about a decade where i didn't really have any of the major responsibilities yeah. not on a daily basis so when i worked when i first got into the industry I, I worked i didn't really know anyone else in london
0: so you were single when you first started in recruitment when you started yeah. fb
1: yeah
0: were you married then no I single
1: no. Then. Okay. so met my wife after um after we started, so I didn't really have any responsibilities at the time. Was
0: that maybe for the first year you were single when you started the business ish, given you've got a three year old and a four month yeah. old? we talking yeah. about a
1: year or so? Yeah. yeah. So got married in um, September 17. um So I was at that time just, it was just a business. That was my only responsibility at the Lift time. It, yeah. yeah, pretty much. Um, and so it was that. And then the different challenge. So my wife's from the Northeast. So she's moved down. She moved down to London for me. And then we're in the Midlands now. Um, and I'm really, really conscious that she doesn't really have, outside of my family, she doesn't really have anyone around her. So I can't be that single-track-minded person in there because it's unfair on her, unfair on our relationship as well. So that balance is something that I'm always trying to work on. For example, I don't see my kids as much as I want to see them. But I am also, in a weird way, not comfortable with it. But know that that's to a degree going to be the case, and there are reasons for that as well. So uh, I suppose you're
0: mirroring what you what you, you're in dad's relationship. I suppose when you're younger, instead. in
1: some so, ways,
0: yeah. It, do you think that's why it's more acceptable in your mind to be happy with that?
1: No, no. Do I don't think, think there's some because... people out
0: that probably listen to that and think, well, you want to have as much family time as possible and I know, I know from personal experience it's very, very hard to to strike up that balance, but, um, yeah, do you think that there's areas that you could, you know, if that's your biggest sacrifice, I suppose, family's really, really important to most people, it's important to yourself. Yeah. If that's the biggest sacrifice and you know that, how are you going to
1: yeah. fix it? Are you going to fix it? Yes and no. Um, do I want more semblance of a balance in some degree? Yes, but does that mean I'm going to start doing a 9-5? to No. And I was, I was really open and honest with Simon when, even before we got married, I was saying, my industry is not a nine-to-five industry anyway. Yeah. Like I work a lot of hours when I wasn't running the business and stuff as well. Now running a business, that's only going to get worse. Have I made adaptations now, especially since having the kids and stuff? hundred um, percent. I take my son to the nursery getting ready for nursery and stuff in the mornings now. I would have never dreamt of doing that years ago and stuff. I would have thought that, listen, I'm not even getting involved in that bit pre-kids. Yeah. Right? Um, so there are adaptations there, but... Um, I? it's not the same as my dad because and no disrespect to my dad we like growing up as a kid I didn't really have a very personal relationship with him it was more kind of instruction order he's my dad yeah, yeah and that type of thing yeah. we weren't we never really had much of a discussion about things not that I can massively remember anyway um, and that's changed now as I've got older and stuff she as well that's a generational thing oh yeah that's a generational thing that's the environment that he grew up in and stuff as well yeah, So I think
0: to my dad you know we we have more discussions now than we did yeah. when I was younger. 100%. And he's constantly asking questions about if I'm playing football again or if I'm, how's work going? And he'll pick up things that I've been on the phone to. And he'll, the next week, he'll be like, did you get that deal in? And I know he didn't really understand. Yeah. he's a builder. He's been building since he was 14 till when he was about 75, full time. And he's 80 now. And he's just decided to hang up the tools and, and just focus on whatever he wants to do. But, he, you know, he definitely the conversation is different now.
1: Yeah, it is. I don't begrudge him with that because yeah. he knew what he knew and he did what he did to the best of his ability and, and, like, there's all the intention was pure, so all good there. But, no, our relationship, my relationship with my kids is different to what dad would have had with me and my brother, my sister. Um, but then at the same time, like, when I come home on a weekend, when I'm at home at a weekend, I pretty much, I'm not going to say every single weekend, but I pretty much, that's exclusively for my family. I don't really tend to see my mates I've stopped all sports that I used to play. Um, that's just for me, just whatever time I can get. So, up why is family. that? Is that
0: just a sense of you prioritising what you believe to be important in your life and saying, okay, I need to sort of compartmentalise those things that used to be important and focus on my family? Because I think a lot of people listening may look at that and think, well, actually, I need my sport as, as an out. I need to be able to go to the gym. I need to see my friends so I can have that release and discussion. Is it just a choice where you think, well, actually, Spending time with my family is actually my release and that's the time that
1: I want to spend. Or do you
0: you have to do that because they're
1: family? An element of both? An element of, I mentioned before, Simon's kind of moved around for and with me. Um, it's not fair if I'm just kind of cracking on doing all these other things and um, like doing what I want to do and she's in a different type of situation to me and doesn't really know anyone outside of my family. It's like making friends in MK and stuff like that, but again, it's, it's relatively new and stuff. That yeah um but no i just i just want to spend time with the kids like watch them grow up and things like that like my eldest is three he's got this amazing personality and i, I don't want to not know him um yeah. as i'm growing up and i don't want to not be close to him as against teenagers teenagers and stuff you scared well. that
0: could happen given yeah you yeah. know when you're scaling the business and working hard and working long and doing what you need to do to try and be successful in your own right with the company do you is there an element of Um, a fear there that that
1: could happen? haven't thought about it as fear. If you ask me the question, yeah, I recognise that it could happen. Hope it doesn't. Um, But no, I've I've never really thought about it as a fear that that could happen. I would hope that I'm fostering a close enough relationship with him that it doesn't go that way.
0: Yeah.
1: So, yeah. I'm trying to give him my... When I'm with him, I try to give him my... I'm not always perfect at it, being on my phone, on emails or whatever. But I generally try to put it down.
0: a personal question for you which i struggle with which is being present yeah so we're here now we're focused on what we're talking about and we're engaged with it in this room because Mm -hmm. that's what we're doing if i'm at home i'm at home but as an owner there's my head sometimes is elsewhere um and especially when things are stressful when things are going on and when things are important and ten things happen at the same time they're all equally as important as each other and you just need to kind of methodically pick your way through them and try and try and figure it out. Sometimes I'm speaking to my other half, I'm speaking to my kids, and I'm I'm there in person and I'm there to talk, but my mind is sometimes elsewhere and I struggle I struggle with that a lot. Do you feel the same when you're at home or do you find it easier to sort of just sort of switch off and shut the laptop and think that's me done. I'm gonna focus the next couple of hours on my
1: son? I've never switched off. And even if I try to make myself unavailable on my phone or stuff like that, it's you're right, it's still there at the back of my mind. I'm still like going through things and trying to find solutions to stuff or what can we do about this and that and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I openly say to her, pull me out on it. If you see me on my phone too much and around home and stuff like that, pull me up on it because I don't want to be doing does that do at that? the same time. Yeah, she does. Uh, she definitely does. Um, and again, it's that thing of balance, right, where I go through better times and then I slowly slip, and I need her to pull me back to that and say to me, you're not going so much and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but those thoughts are always there. Those, uh, you ha- You're in the shower, and it's sort of two or three things are going through your head. It's like, boom, send myself a quick voice note or something like that so I can deal with that and pick that up because I've had a great idea or whatever it might be. That, I don't think as an owner, ever switches off. Um, I've, I've struggled to believe that an owner could switch off in that way.
0: See, that, that, that's some of the little elements around people that have reached out to me over the last couple of months since doing the podcast, the people that have wanted to understand what it's like to run a business. And it's those, I mean, that for me is quite significant. It's such a small element that you mentioned there, just a, a small snippet that you can never switch off. But that has a massive effect on your life. In, in, my, in my case, it has anyway. That. You know, I've had times where I wake up at two in the morning and there's an idea at the forefront of my head, so I'll send myself a quick email. And I go, I speak about that to family members and they're like, you're insane. Like, what's wrong with you? And it's like, people think you're weird. And it's like, well, maybe I'll start to believe that. Maybe I'm a bit weird. But that's just the way I am. And it's, it's nice to hear that that is reciprocated with other people. And also, I think it's an element if you start looking to start a business, whether it is a one-man band type business where you're on the tools, or whether it's something where you're trying to scour something different in a, in a different industry. If you're going to be successful, I don't think you can truly ever switch off because, in my opinion, it kind of it, if I was if I was able to shut the laptop up at five, that sounds like utopia. But life don't stop at five, and yeah. and you you have that first year of your business where it's completely focused on you because you didn't have the family and the and the partner. So you had the ability to, fo- you could put. 20 hours a day, and if you want to, and the only person you're going to affect is yourself. Whereas there's a lot of people who listen to this that maybe are already in a family yeah. environment where if they're looking to start a business, they need to understand, look, there's tons of positives. And there really, really is. It's not all about the, ne- the negatives and the challenges, but Christ, there's there's stress, anxiety, and sleepless nights often. it's a, It's common. And those little ideas, it's not just the negatives. It could be good ideas as well. But it's that whole, the brain is still going. It's 24-7.
1: It is, yeah. Um, look, I I often say to people that I meet and things that I don't know if I would have been able to do, and Scott, Scott was in different situations because he um, had been in a relationship for a long time and then got married and stuff as well. But Kay's always been understanding. She's, she's again, absolutely fantastic. She's a guest. Scott's wife. Yeah, Scott's wife, yeah. Um, and she's been absolutely phenomenal. I don't know if I'd have been able to do to the level that we did it in that first sort of year, 18 months or whatever if I was in a relationship. Now, that's not me saying I couldn't have set up a business if I was in a marriage and stuff like that either. Yeah. I think I would have just found a way. Yeah. I just don't think we would have been able to do it to the level that we did in that first year. Or well, the same way. Yeah. yeah, in in that way. Because I, I had nothing else to concentrate on. I was... We um, were working all hours. Sometimes I'd be at his. It's like two, three in the morning. Sometimes I'd kick there, care make dinner or whatever. We'd be drinking some dirty, cheap Red Bull to stay awake to do some, like... Project Eason, like basically non-sales stuff at the beginning. All the ops stuff, all the RT stuff. We're doing out of hours. Yeah. Yeah. I remember setting up our server up until like 1am just replaying the same YouTube videos on one dude over and over again while Scott was chasing invoices at like 12, 1am. I look back on those memories with fondness as well. Could I have done that with a wife and kids at home? Not in the same way because I still have that element of responsibility. So like even though Simon takes Zane and... Like through the night, despite how many times he's woken up last night and stuff like that. In my head, I'm, I've got to get my oldest up. I've got to get ready for nursery. So I've got to get Fred breakfast ready, etc., cetera, et cetera. So that's different responsibilities now. Whereas in the past, at that time, I used to leave at sort of half, five, six, the house, or my flat when I was in London. Yeah. Now I can't do that because at seven to eight is I've got to get my son oh, ready. Yeah. So, yeah, it's changed. Would I have been able to do it? Yes. Would have been different. Would have been harder. But possible, and I am buoyed by so many people that I see out there who have seen stories of single mums with a kid, two kids, and they're they're literally looking after them on their own. Mm. And then in the evenings, they're setting up and running a successful business. And I give them so much more kudos than I'd ever give me or Scott because that is so hard, yeah, so so hard to do. So again, another kind of source influence.
0: Yeah, I think there's always people that have got a harder line than what you have and I think as much as you work hard and you're pushing forward, when you open your eyes to look at what other people are doing, it's the same as if you're looking for a job, there's always a higher paid job out there, there's always a better opportunity out there, there's always a better team you can go pay for but also there's also people on the reverse side that are also in a, a tougher situation than what you are and if they can do it yeah. then you can take a sense of wow if they can do it then, and it might not be about work, it might just be about getting up in the morning and getting on with their life or investing time into their children when they've got other things that they're doing or whatever. But I think, you know, when you, when you take the time to step back and look holistically at people, and I do a lot of that in terms of just analysing people, listening and learning about people, whether it's work or personal, there's a lot of superstars out there that give themselves no credit at all. And, you, and and somebody that's deemed as successful because social media says you're successful or you've got loads of noughts on your bank account, actually, when you look at other people who are successful in their own right, and you can take a lot of motivation from that.
1: Yeah, you can. I don't think you just have to look at the, the top people in each industry. Um, I tend to look at things like work ethic is probably the number one thing that I look at in anyone. Yeah. Um, and it's probably the most inspirational thing to me. Um,
0: Which is probably why you mentioned Mark Wahlberg. Because the, the one big yeah. thing that I got from the things that you said around, obviously his management at times pretty good, but he's but he's he's get up and go and his drive and ambition and his
1: consistency to work hard constantly all the time is yeah. unparalleled. Yeah, and look... That, that might be for the camera as well in mm-hmm. terms of he's put on a show right he's not going to take videos of himself being Doing sort of lazing yeah. around the yeah. house yeah, yeah, yeah. and ice cream mm-hmm. days and stuff like that but actually if you look at what he's involved in I don't think you can be involved in all the different things like a clothing line yeah. um, a media production company he obviously does films and everything yeah. as well um, which is a, full on a it, burger isn't he? Yeah. joint um, that he's got with his brothers I think in total he's got some like seven businesses um, That's that he's the involved you know in well, Yeah. you know so being involved in like, you can't be lazy and be involved So I, right now, I couldn't comprehend being involved in seven different things. Yeah. Where you were able to do those and do those well. well, you look. You look
0: at your own situation. You think, "Crikey, I'm, I'm I'm at capacity now," and you think, "Well, actually, look at this guy. Capacity can be extended." Yeah.
1: So. Yeah.
0: Perfect. So I've got a um, another question that's come from Mark. So he's asked, "What is your biggest mistake or regret?" It's not specified whether this is work, whether this is business, FB, whether this is career, whether this is personal. So I'm gonna throw it out just to open it up. Biggest mistake or
1: regret? I'm struggling to answer a little bit because I don't really live by regrets. Because, whether so, I've made loads of mistakes. Don't get me wrong. There's like whether it's not managing someone as good as I probably could have, or hiring the wrong type of person into the business, or something from a client side and stuff like that I've made loads and loads of mistakes which are just I think I don't think there's any one that really stands out I think it would have just been a cumula- an accumulation of them, right? yeah don't really regret any of them though because at the time it's either what I wanted to do what I thought was best yeah circumstantial whatever it would have been so you I can't make that yeah, a decision for the right reasons at exactly. the time I can't yeah. I can't look back at it there's like stuff that's kind of happened in life or whatever that might put me on a different path but if I thought that was a regret, I wouldn't be sat here today. I wouldn't have two beautiful kids, my wife, yeah. the situation I'm in. So how could I regret anything that? Part of your journey and of tapestry as Yeah, way, exactly. And... Because I wouldn't be there.
0: So take regret out of it. What about mistake? What's, is, is there something that you've done over the last few years and you think, wow, that was, that was big? Um, and I not, suppose then it's a case
1: of how you dealt with it. Not really in business when i was a little bit younger getting into trouble like because of my pride probably um or and not and no off. it was like certain situations which arose which my pride wouldn't let me kind of walk away from or back out right. of and um getting involved with people and like fights or whatever it might be and situations with people like that where i should have just walked away yeah and didn't like them they're, mis- they're probably some of the biggest mistakes but Nothing like. There's no one massive mistake that I can really think about in business. There will there'll be loads of them in there. Yeah, I can't really automatically think of anything that's like massive. So if you make a
0: mistake in in the job that you're doing now, running the business, yeah. what's the process? What personally? Yeah, just just you. Let's let's say you walk back into the business today and you made a mistake of some description that had an adverse effect on the company or a person in the company. Cool. What, what would your process be to deal with
1: that? Similar to when I first got into the industry, um, if whenever I made a mistake and whenever I continue to make mistakes now, I try to analyse it and say, right, what's to learn? I don't want to go through that situation again. So, what's to learn that I've got to apply? Because if I'm consistently doing it, it's not a mistake; it's a choice. Yeah. But I usually rarely kind of make the same thing twice, and so it's just that analysis. I don't. I'm not a massive overthinker. Um, of things, I'll just try to analyse it, and if I think I need some external opinion on it, I'll go and seek that. I don't really have that kind of pride or ego to think that I'll, I can't come across looking like I make no mistakes to any of my guys yeah. or anything like that. Um, so just try to analyse it and try to avoid making that same thing again, and like not being in the same situation again.
0: I suppose the positive aspect on that is that your team see you making the mistakes, which is that kind of ownership of the
1: mistake. I'm honest I with you, I think it's pretty. I look, I'm. Yeah, I'm that's, that, I with, think I that's it. a strong trait. I'm not. I'm not perfect. I'm learning at this as well, as much as they are. I'll give them everything that I've got, and then if I've if I haven't got it, I'll try to go to external people that have got it that they yeah. can give them it instead. Um, but it's just about working together to grow this and take into this business to where we really think we can get it to.
0: Yeah, well, it certainly sounds like you're, you're building that to, togetherness within the team, and it's not just a, a personal whether it started out as a personal or a, or a joint goal to go and grow the business with your business partner, it certainly absolutely feels like a, a big team partnership now, which is, which yeah, is
1: really positive. It's evolved to, from what it used to be, and that's what we're really growing, that kind of core team around yeah. us. Um, my main thing is now is anything happens to me and I'm not there, hit by bus, whatever it might be, the business has got to continue to excel and grow on that same type of trajectory, on the same type of culture without me. Yeah, And if... I don't think that we're able to do that now. Then my job's not done yet.
0: Yeah, well, I think that gives a, a true ownership of the culture. It's not just a poster on a wall or some branding that you yeah. put up on a wall or in a magazine. If you're not there, does the business still operate to these values? That's the true test. Spot. Okay, um, got a question from chap called Adrian. Uh, Adrian's brilliant. He um, used to be MD for a brand that I love actually, um, Chase distillery, Chase Vodka,
1: cool.
0: if you've seen it in, 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 in bars and in supermarkets and stuff, um, just sold out to a big company for a, for a big old deal. But Adrian used to be the MD of, uh, of there. and I, I'll admit to buy too much of the stuff <laughs> um, and be on his Christmas list at the, uh, Christmas to take advantage of some discount. But no, he reached out to me on WhatsApp last night, um, and he asked, why did you take the leap from just having a job to want to start in the business?
1: So again, like if I think about the psychological kind of piece behind it, I'll come back to my dad in my childhood and seeing what he did as an entrepreneurial person and kind of was never, was always looking for that next step to wherever he was. Um, and I've, I've taken that influence massively in a personal life as well. Yeah. Um, people that we worked for were not very ambitious, just wanted to do the same and um, It was for some of them it was a lifestyle business for some they're just bang average i think scott and i really sit we're we're different in a lot of ways but we're similar in a lot of ways as well we we spent so much time together the last decade um that we think in a lot of the similar way and stuff as well right we just backed ourselves to do it better than those that we've been working for yeah um in a big big way and that we had more ambition more drive and again i would say this which is going to come across really arrogant but it isn't um in arrogance that we thought we were better than in, in terms of being smarter than them and we'll, that we could operate in a smarter way on things as well um and then they were doing just shits that would line their own pockets like messing around with people's commissions and stuff like that as well because it's better for the business and better for them mm-hmm. their own pockets and that's those kind of things we always said that we would never do yeah because um, we've all been on the receiving end of that stuff and we
0: know how that feels
1: yeah so I just thought we could offer an opportunity to people. I I look back at my career and think I progressed really really well, um, and was afforded opportunities and experiences that I wouldn't be able to in any other sector or anything like that. And so it's that desire to kind of want to put that out to other people and give them that opportunity. So there's, there's several people, numerous people in the business now who are kind of in their early twenties who are now on the property ladder. I love that. I honestly, honestly love that Like more than anything. More than a commission check that they all have earned because they would have earned a decent amount to be yeah, able to well, do you that. You've seen their life
0: change because they've used, yes they've gone and done it but they've used your business as the best yeah. to go and do it.
1: I've got one lad who has been with us for two years, had no prior experience and now got a team of five and is earning six figures. Yeah. And to see kind of where he'd come from to even just the, the small stuff of where his life's going and everything as well but to see him now managing a team of five Quite young, like that's the that's the shit that makes me the most proud,
0: yeah. Yeah, I can definitely uh, agree with you there. Um, good, Max has reached out now. I know Max, Max just started his own business,
1: nice, Congrats, Max.
0: In, in finance. Yeah, um, he's a young guy, 20 years old. Um, he, he used to work for me for a, for a period of time. Um, really, really nice guy. Got a lot of drive, get up and go. Wants to wants to do things for himself. And, I, and when he put the phone call into me and said, oh, "I'm starting my own business," I wasn't surprised. I'd spent the last six months trying to get him to work for us. <laughs> so I, wasn't, I wasn't surprised. Um, what he wants to know is, and he's very early in, so he's probably three months in now. When did
1: you start paying yourself well? Ooh. A few years. We yeah, f- literally a few years. We didn't. So we took no salary, I think it was for the first six months at all, like not a penny, and just lived off whatever we had in the savings. Um, but then as an example, through COVID, we took no salary. Scott and I took no salary, so we make sure everyone else is paid, et cetera, et cetera, because we didn't know how bad it was going to be. When we realised it was bad, at first we thought everyone would be working from home for two weeks. A few weeks, yeah. Um, and we laughed it off, but yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Shows how much we know. Yeah, and then when we realised, hang on, this is actually getting quite bad and everyone's shutting up shop. Um, me and him, and we committed it to the business and communicated out that we're not taking a penny through all of this. To be honest, we're still in the mindset, I was discussing with this, this with him about three, four weeks ago, as long as our bills are covered, that's it. I'm not, I'm not asked about, it's not, I'm not doing this for personal wealth. right the big game, the long game, I know if we do, if we take this business to where we're very confident that we'll get it to, then all of that stuff will come afterwards So long as our bills are covered, so long as I'm got to worry about like, can I buy this for the kids and stuff like that, I'm I'm sweet. You're happy.
0: It shows where your priorities sit at the end of the day, which
1: is important. Everything that... That's
0: a byproduct of what you're doing now.
1: Yeah. I mean, everything about this business is about reinvesting back into the business. It's about growing the business. It's about more people into the business, more tech platforms, more um, investment into L&D. It's about the business. So, and that comes off the back of, I've just seen,
0: I haven't spoken about it yet, but uh, seeing that you've just taken a lot of your staff over to Vegas. Uh, that was last week, wasn't it?
1: Yes, so we did. Uh, must uh, we
0: still be still <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. um, a jet lag. Yeah. jet lag. Yeah, it took me about a week to recover. Um, <laughs> so tell me about that. What was that all about? Why so we did New York ever? first, actually, because um, we we do a lot of work out in New York, in the US anyway, and it's always been on our roadmap to expand out there. Mm-hmm. Um so we did New York, we've got some people who are going to be relocating out there um, and actually boots on ground out there as well. Wow. We would have done that already if it wasn't for COVID. And so how long the you had that?
0: That was one of the questions that John had, actually. When went, when when did you know you were ready to expand into New York? So what what sort of operation have you got there at the moment? Just to give some a bit of
1: context. We were, our first bit of work that we did out there, I think was back in the 2017. So ever since then, we've been working with US clients, mainly in the sports world. Okay. So... Um, Sporting organizations like your nfl nba clubs out there um venues sporting entertainment those those kind of things and working with those types of clients out there as well and we are growing out from there as well um and the plan was always to be physically out there and like i said we would have been there last year towards the early part of last year if it wasn't for borders being shut and then yeah nothing no travel and everything as well so i noticed
0: that you went to a few sports things yeah. Yeah, so we went on to LinkedIn and stuff yeah. like that. You went to NFL games and stuff So and you know.
1: we're at the, I think it was on the Wednesday night, we're at the New York Knicks game, which were tickets which were put on for us by a client. And then um, we also had tickets put on for us for the NFL Raiders versus Kansas Chiefs Yeah, um, at the Allegiant Stadium. And again, phenomenal, because where we were, it was basically they've set up like a club within the stadium. So then as you kind of go into it, you've got your usual kind of club stuff there. Yeah. Basically clubby type atmosphere, but then as you go out, basically where we were, you're right in the end zone. Wow. Like right next to the end zone, where the players are warming up, players are training, um, people can pass etc., it, etc. Et it's phenomenal. So whilst that was my first experience of an NFL game, the experience of the whole atmosphere and environment was the best thing about it by far. Um, so yeah, we're, we're lucky with our sports clients.
0: Yeah. Nice little uh, Brucey bonuses.
1: Yeah, we've been invited to like the first Tyson Fury wilder fight out in LA. Um, those kind of things, yeah, they are. It's a, it's a nice. You remember poke the right clients, yeah. yeah. It's a nice perk to have.
0: I was gonna say we, we we get free phones every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you you, in terms of the concepts of why you took your people out there, um, and sort of leading into. Culture that you're trying to breed yep. with FB. So, what was the um, was it an incentive? Was it you know target based or what was the?
1: Story? The Vegas leg of it, which was the back end of the week, uh, that was an incentive that we'd put on. Actually, we put it on months and months ago through COVID, but we couldn't travel anywhere and yep. stuff as well. So it's meant to originally be Dubai, couldn't do Dubai. Um, so we did one to Croatia a few months ago. I wasn't able to go on that one because Zayn was being born imminently. So it must have been about July time. I think we did Croatia. Yeah, and then. Um, We've in Vegas now. Um, we like the experience part of what we do and what we put on for everyone as well, basically. What did you buy? So just in terms of the trips, these trips, they're all paid for by us. So yeah. other than probably like souvenirs, anyone who goes on our um, holiday incentives, they don't pay for anything. Yeah. So ho- holiday, uh, hotels, flights, um, Food, well, yeah. Um, any activities that we book, whether it's we go see a game, whether it's we... Um, we did a helicopter tour over Vegas. All of that is paid for by us. Yeah. Um, if the guy decide to chip it or anything, that's up to them, but there's no expectation for them to.
0: So just just to think about it, so that that sounds great. Um, it's a great perk to have for somebody working in the business. And why did you and Scott decide to do something like that?
1: The experience. If I say to anyone now, what did it, like, forget now, sorry. If I say to anyone in two, three years' time, what did you earn in November 21? They're not going to remember. Yeah. If I say to someone, do you remember right. that trip to Vegas that we took? It was a trip to New York that we took and we were on those rooftop bars looking over the whole of New York as a group of people together and the restaurant that we went to and that food. Do you remember that? We still talk about it now from 2016. Remember when we went to a restaurant called Ramsey? and the exclusivity of it and the bread. Like that's probably one of the best things of the starting bread. Likes his bread. The four types <laughs> of different bread that they're, they're serving you. Yeah. The guys, boom, switch onto it straight away. And it's the experience because they will never have done on their own what well, we've time just trips. done yeah not to the level that like we've just done it um there's not done the in their personal enough.
0: life we will go and book a trip to vegas go and do helicopter rides and go see different games and have the access and ability to go to those games yeah. in the same way yeah exactly. and i suppose that's really powerful when you think back with that with that group of people it's the experience with the group of people if i look back to different things on a different level but personally you look back to things like friend holidays and stag holidays that you go on and stuff it's not necessarily where you've been it's the experience of being with that collection of people at that time and there's one particular one i'm thinking about now which i can't go into details on for obvious reasons, but i'll get people into trouble but that location that experience those people and that kind of you know it's that that experience never leaves you
1: yeah that's that's something that will always be with them and that will always be fb took us to this place When, when fb we were here it's also it's a great story for the, the new people coming through. Yeah, that Vegas trip will now go down and folklore in our business. Yeah. Um, and the new people well, find out. a way to get them
0: to aspire to achieve. Again, yeah. with you putting down the environment that's part of the environment of success it's in fun. the business, isn't it? Yeah, it's fine. Good. Okay, um, last couple of things then. So, um, question here from Jack and from Kirsty as well. Um, biggest setback. Be playing short. No, it hasn't.
1: <laughs> Biggest setback is when anyone leaves a business, either through they've left or we've exited them out. So I'm proud of the fact of saying that in all in what five years now there's only one person that I've ever counter-offered. So I think that tells its own story, good and bad actually, on that one. that tells its own story and was gutted to lose him because he was a mate as well. Yeah. Like not just an employee, he was a genuine mate as well. Um, but when anyone leaves the business like when someone joins we've met them we've interviewed them we've backed them we've given them time for, I don't care about the money like whatever we might have lost financially it just means that either we've not been able to get them to where we thought we could or they've not turned out to be the person we thought they were at interview, or they've not seen the vision and so I or a blend of all of that yeah, yeah. Or, or any yeah a mixture of the, those three um and i'm not because disheartening is like it to some degree but i find that as a setback and it's almost like that's a, a really big disappointment for me personally
0: i take it personally that for you but you're going to go back to that kind of analyze learn you're going to probably go over that certain situations and think 100%. is there a learn is there a learn there because you've got a good guy and he's decided to walk out yeah. why is that what have we done And i think historically in business 10 years ago especially from my experience anyway it would have been employees fault 100 percent of the time employees fault you're not good enough you're not committed enough you're not working hard enough you're not part of the culture you're not team player and all this stuff and actually when you look at it has the business done enough to
1: engage you in those areas it's a 50 50 street yeah there's there's been like attrition sector is quite high anyway right um but there's been people who have left for they've just not seen the vision or they've joined and like pretty quickly decided that the culture's not for them or whatever it is, and I wish we'd have been able to do more to ascertain that at the beginning, and not just for us but for that individual as well. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, that that's probably would leave me the biggest disappointment if somebody does ever leave, because at some point we thought that they'd be a really good part of our business, but also our business is really good for them. Mm. I suppose your biggest
0: positive and biggest element that you feel good about is seeing those people you care about do really well Absolutely. and use that as a, use FB as a vessel to achieve and be happy in their lives, but also the biggest setback and disappointment is going to be when that opportunity is not taken.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I was sat with a 19-year-old, 20-year-old yesterday, um, been with us since March. Is earning, doesn't need the money. He's in a great, like his family is in a great position. He's earning more than he ever thought he could in such a short time frame, like 10-odd months. And we're now talking to him about progression into management at 20 in after like 10 months that's the kind of story i love yeah and that's the kind of thing that we want more and more scale up Listen, if, you if, as you, as
0: if you if you're right if you're right you're right if you're good enough, you're good enough if you're willing to learn put yeah the working then you need the employee the employer to support that rather than look at me. i mean look at my time i used to work in that West and i was kicking ass Doing really well in loads of different areas, and, and the opportunity I wanted to go and do was okay. Now I'm working in a big branch, I want to go take my own branch. Oh, you can't do that 225. Why? How's that fair? Yeah, like, I'm, I'm doing well. Like, give me the opportunity, check in on me when you need to, sit on me as much as you need to, just put me in a smaller branch, give me a shot. No, no, look, it's just an unwritten rule. You're just not going to get that 225. I'm like, I'm 19, I'm not going to wait here for six years. Yeah, so, so and I left within two weeks because it, the, the, the business couldn't give me. And if I was still there now, what would I be doing there now? How much value would I add for them? And again, like what you said, it's not an arrogant statement, but I'm confident that I've always worked tremendously hard and delivered in every single business I've worked in, including this one. I'd be adding value, you know. I might not be the best, I might not be the worst, I might not be in the middle, but I'd be certainly be a, a good employee. I'd be adding a lot of value. But the traditional way of them looking after people in terms of opportunity or lack of was down to age, and I just think that's fucked up.
1: Yeah, so it's something that it was, we said from day one that in terms of our business, it's not anything we would ever, ever employ. is a true meritocracy in terms of our business. So it doesn't matter about your age or anything like that. He will get there quicker than people who've been there longer in our business, but he's deserving of it. Yep. So why would we, we hold him back? Everybody's different. Yeah. You need to be treated as such. Yeah,
0: it's fine. Okay, um, last couple of things then. So last question actually from Dave, which is going slightly into something else, but... Um, We will ask it anyway. In terms of your key clients, so I think Dave works in a role where he looks after a lot of key clients within his business. How much money or time do you reinvest into those clients directly in terms of um, spending time with them, money invested in, taking them and doing things? Do you have a, a plan with your business or a sort of strategy in place with your existing key clients where you invest time and money back into those relationships. Yeah. And is that set in stone or is that bespoke, dependent on the client?
1: Or? It will always be um, independent of each client. And there's no like set budget per se of like, we we can only spend X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I've done stuff where I've taken clients to Michelin star restaurants um, for their birthdays. Yeah, And that's more of a personal thing, where I've had clients, yeah, one was at my wedding. Um, taking out a client and her husband to meals and things like that because they'd never eaten at certain type of restaurants and things like that. I've taken other clients go-karting at one of the best tracks in, in the fastest track in Europe as well, and took about 10 of them, there's about 10 of us. To be honest, it's less about the like investment into them so we get more business or anything like that. Like, I want to know my clients. I want to work with my clients. I want to spend time with them Foster and just get to know them on a, yeah. like a, on a human level. So it's getting them out of a work setting and actually what you're into. Cool, let's go and watch a game together. Let's go and do this. Let's whatever it might be, if it's restaurant or if it's just going out or whatever it might be. just get to know each other a little bit better, and it's all about the human element of it. So
0: a lot of businesses operate that in a very much a cookie cutter, off the shelf type thing, which is, uh oh, we've got 50 key clients, we're gonna go and see them every three months, we're gonna send them a bottle of wine at Christmas, and it, and for me, yeah. it's kind of like well. The example would be, do they drink wine? Do you know what they drink? Do you know whether they like alcohol or not? Do you know what they're into? Do you know them well enough to be able to say, that is the thing I'm going to do for that person? Because you've got 50 different people there. They're all into different things. They all get, um, they all will reciprocate that gesture in a certain way, positive or negative or neutral. Do you, The more important question for me is, do you know your clients well enough to be able to say, let's go and do this? It's uh, That's so- where the time needs to come in, I think, in terms of managing key accounts and key clientele is if you don't know that information then what you're about to do might just be a complete waste not completely as far from what they want and what they need as possible and that could actually detriment the relationship because it proves a lack of understanding
1: we've we've done so many different things around that where i can think back to one client where um i just remember something small i took down i took her down a a tube of bolterol because she had a bad back And I just turned up the office like, what are you doing here? Like, just here, take this. I'm not after anything, I don't need anything from you. You mentioned it in a call that we had, I think it was earlier that morning. So I'm coming by anyway, here you go. Knock yourself out, I'll help you. She's like, I wasn't expecting it. But again, that's just on the personal relationship. It's
0: listening. What's that that customer, whether you do the business or don't do the business, what's that customer gonna take from that? It's gonna take that you're diligent, you listen. You know, you're a human being, you've got kindness, you've got a degree of detail, You're analytical, you're personable. All the stuff that people value in, regardless of the brand, the relationship yeah. between the two people.
1: It's nothing to do with business. It's like, I, I would do that for a mate, type of thing yeah. I knew that they were struggling with something and I knew something that they didn't that could help them. I've got some like, I've got one guy in the business who in the past has gone and stayed at a client's house over a weekend and was just on the piss with them um, and things like that. And
0: But what a great relationship to have. Well. I mean, one yeah. of the things that we really strive for in our DNA is we want to turn customers into friends. That's, that's, that's the phrase yeah. that's in our DNA and when you actually look at some of the relationships the calls that we get on a Friday night when they've had a couple of drinks and it's like how's oh, your week been and it's like yeah alright mate no problem are you going to come and see us soon it's like yeah yeah absolutely and it's it's personal stuff and it's you know we've got probably 10% of our clients I would say and this is really for me the the area that we need to improve on as business is we've got probably 10% of clients that we like I would say we, are, we know everything about So much stuff, personal, professional, business, family, children, everything, to try and really understand them We've really put the time into doing that. And in growing the organisation, naturally, I think you can dilute that because of time and because of where you put your time and where you invest your time. The big area that I would like to improve over the next 12 months is to turn that 10% into a higher percentage and get to know our clients better. We do a really good job. We're personal, we're professional, we turn things around quickly, we're, you know, Again, not an statement. we do, when you hear some of the horror stories in this industry, we're not the same. We're just not programmed the same at all. And some of the things that people do, it's just, I would never even dream of doing that in a million years to lie in my pocket. Just, you gotta do the right thing. But I think the big area that I would like to improve as a goal for next year is forming more friendships with our customers. Yeah. For me as an owner especially, I'd like to have more friendships with our customers.
1: I think it's important. I think it's just that human element of doing business, right? I think one of our biggest tech clients, um, especially through last year, we met them by beating them in a five-side footy tournament in the final, and then it was off the back of that. Did you wait? They said, Yeah, we did. <laughs> we, we beat them in the final. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's off the back they of didn't that. Even let them win. <laughs> but they weren't the client before then. Yeah. Right. It was. It was actually when they're doing the trophy um, uh, thing at the end, where the terms said, like, "Oh, great that you guys are here, by the way," because blah blah blah. And that's the relationship, that relationship starts start, on there, yeah. and like we ended up doing so much work with them and supporting them in their growth over the next, like, 12 18 months, or whatever it was. Um, yeah, it's the human element of of doing that kind of thing, which I'm much more interested in. And yeah. if you get something, and we can work together to like support the growth of that business, brilliant. Because if we can do that, then we'll obviously gain from it as well. Yeah, There's it's mutual huge. gain from it, right? Um, if we can't, that's cool. Right. Like, let's keep a relationship and if we ever can support in any way in the future, great, let's do that.
0: The biggest thing I've felt is is I've gone into loads of pitches with big customers, really big household names and I've gone in with people and historically when I've gone in within pe- with people that are maybe a bit more junior or people that are not necessarily in a customer-facing role is that nervousness about going into pitch and the biggest thing that I say to them which is, kind of comes from what you said there, is forget about the fact that there's Nike or Diesel or, an F1 team or whatever the brand is on the door is irrelevant. You are going to sit around a table with a bunch of people. Yeah, That's what you're doing. That's all you're interested in. They're just normal people, but they just work here. We work in Guru and that's our brand. You work at FB, that's your brand. That's irrelevant. We're coming out of conversation. Yes, there's going to be some business stuff discussed. You need to prepare and plan and do all the stuff you need to do. But when you dumb it down completely, one guy talking to another, it's one girl talking to another. And that's all you need to be worried about. And if you get on with that individual, the brands are irrelevant.
1: Yeah. Massively agree. It's something that happens in our industry a lot where people get put on pedestals, but no one person's better than another because they might earn more or might have a more senior title or People are people. It's um, something that we try and teach all new people that join our business as well.
0: Yeah, good. I think it's a good value. Okay, so what's next for FB? What is the next for FB? <laughs>
1: So, look, we are in a phase at the moment where we're constantly looking at the future. And um, I've said before that I massively kind of love our sector, but frustrated with it as well. So at the moment, in the kind of short to medium term, we're coming away from that contingent type of model that has been prevalent in our sector for about the last two to three years. Uh, Sorry, 20, 30 years. And actually creating products in our marketplace as well which differentiates us from about 98, 99% of the overall sector as well. There are some others doing something similar, but we're doing it in a different way, um, with the client in mind first. And then the next phase from that, which we've already started, is we're building a tech platform. Okay. I'm not gonna call it the Tinder of, of talent or anything like that, or anything to be so cheesy, but um, it's more aimed at the senior end of the market, which also in turn helps growing and scaling businesses and their ambitions to grow. And so, scale what's the client. platform physically going to be doing? So, the platform gives. I'm trying to think of how to say You don't need to let the, work, bad, too well, much. Yeah. Um, the platform gives owners an opportunity and access to be able to scale their organizations or scale their particular departments, basically. Okay. And that will be the end kind of, or one of the end benefits for any client that signs up. So, on a subscription basis, it's not being done by anyone else and definitely not at this end of the marketplace. Um, we're really, really excited about it. We've got a product owner on board now who's going out and building it out with the dev team, um, and we're going to start taking that to market next year, early part of next year. Um, we're already in talks with, for instance, a wealth management firm. We're talking about licensing out to their end clients, mm-hmm. and that's a game changer for us. But it it aligns with our ambitions of where we want to go and where I think the market will go in the next sort of five to ten years.
0: Okay. So again, it sounds like you're going to be at the forefront of pushing
1: yeah. evolution.
0: Yeah, spot which is, which is important, isn't it? Okay,
1: so where can people find you, mate? Where can people find your business and you? Easiest part, LinkedIn. Um, all of everyone in the business is on LinkedIn. My profile's on LinkedIn, Scott's on LinkedIn, um, etc. Um, pretty much online. We're at a lot of awards ceremonies and kind of industry events. We're at the Sports Gala Award next week. I think it's next Thursday off the top of my head, um, in the sporting world. So we, we're at a lot of these kind of events, networking events and so on as well. We're putting a lot of events on as we grow and grow as well into the technology sectors that we're working in, eTal and fintech. Um, we're one of the recognised partners for a fintech network called Tizer Network, as an example. So people can find us there if you're, they're part of that group and so on as well. So again, our reach is expanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of office bases, we've got the main ones that we're working from at the moment: London, in Knox and then New York as well. We've got some bits around sort of Frankfurt and Leeds and stuff as well. But yeah, online. If you want to have a conversation, I'm pretty open. Scott's pretty open, like speaking to people, et cetera, meeting people and stuff as well.
0: Good, good. No, I appreciate that. And I know there's going to be some people, that, there's a lot of information there to digest, but I think when people kind of re-listen to the podcast and go through some of the answers to the questions, I think there's a lot of synergy with with, with, with some of the, the questions that are come and the answers, which is great. Um, and I think if you're open, uh, if there's anybody else in the, um, in the network that, that wants to ask any additional questions... Hit you up on LinkedIn is probably the best way, yeah, yeah. would
1: you say? Well, yeah, I'm, and you're open to people to do that? Yeah, not, not an issue. Look, we spoke a few weeks ago and stuff as well, yeah. right? Like, I'm a massive, massive champion of anyone starting up a business. Um, like, I'm, any way that I could ever help in any way, or even if I can't help, I might know anyone or anything like that. Yeah. Even in competition's worse, because I, I don't look at it and say that you're a threat to us. Like, the more the merrier. happening. There's enough of a marketplace out there. For, um, for everyone, and I just respect anyone that kind of gives it a go. Yeah. Um, so anywhere I can ever help anyone, yeah. What was it for? Brilliant. No, that's that's
0: excellent. Okay, mate. Good. Appreciate it. Thanks very much, mate. All the best. Take care.